Does the day you were born impact whether you're a great leader? Can astrology unlock the pathway to leadership success? Hi, I'm Josephine Corcoran, holistic career coach and astrologer, and my podcast, Astrology for Leaders, Aligning Your Career to Your Purpose, is where we'll find out. I've been an executive coach for over 20 years, facilitating and training leaders to achieve professional and personal goals and practicing astrology for the last 15 years. I also appreciate the profound impact of connecting leaders to their unique astrological blueprint to give them access to their leadership abilities around governing, strategy, communication, relating, driving and empathy. Over the coming weeks, I'll be interviewing leaders using their birth chart as a lens to explore how they've harnessed their strengths, overcome challenges and found meaning in their work. My desire in sharing these accomplished leaders' stories is to demonstrate the extraordinary benefit of understanding your unique astrological blueprint to enable you to work in a way that is equally impactful and fulfilling, and to learn a few interesting facts along the way. Hello and welcome to another episode of Astrology for Leaders. Today, I'm so excited to be talking with Hiam Sakakini, who is the founder and CEO of The Culture Equation. Like many of us, Hiam's career itself has been a really interesting journey with twists and turns, leading her to head of, head of leadership development at Google Asia. Along the way, she lived and breathed the unique experience of technological disruption, which led to the founding of The Culture Equation, which she now heads up. The Culture Equation is a boutique management consultancy that supports two types of organisations. The first group of organisations she works with are in scale-up mode and she, her organisation sets them apart from their competition. The second group of organisations that she works with are the larger organisations that are ready to redesign their culture to navigate the change and transformation successfully through their people. As a sociology major and culture change expert, her drive is to create environments dominated by trust and psychological safety, where teams can be empowered and thrive in times of ambiguity. Hiam is also a sought after keynote speaker for high profile industry events and can be contacted for speaking engagements. Hiam, welcome. Thanks for having me, Jo. Lovely to be here. Let's jump in, shall we? You've got such an impressive background, almost 10 years at Google as head of leadership development. That must have been an extraordinary journey, but one of incredible growth in that organisation. And then having found your passion for learning and development and, and culture, you've then gone out and, and um created your own business and and um, I'm really excited to be hearing a little bit more about you and the skills that you've got and the abilities that you've got that you've used to create the culture equation and do the work that you do. So my first question for you today is why do you think it is so important for people to step into their leadership qualities today? Great question. And thanks again for, for having me. I think this is a great conversation to have and a really good opportunity for me to reflect. So it's been it's been lovely to, to think about these things. Now, just so you know, I didn't end up in Google Asia for nine years doing just leadership development for Google Asia. 
I did a lot um, before that, which was more on the business side. So leading sales teams and then from there more on the sales enablement, which then led me into coaching and, and leadership. But Wonderful. It, it was lovely to have a career that allowed me to just explore. Um, and when you say step into your leadership qualities, that's exactly what led me from one area to another, if that makes any sense. So starting, out, you know, just as a typical sales rep that wanted to step up into a kind of more coaching and, and manager role and just being given and being empowered to do that. Now, at the time, Google was very messy and chaotic and they didn't have any nice leadership programs or anything for me to learn those kind of skills and tools in. I learned very much on the job and it was a tough learning curve to go from an individual contributor into that um, sort of coaching and manager role very quickly. Mm. And sometimes it's even harder when you're starting to manage what were your colleagues and your peers. Yeah, That's a really tough one. But if you think about then stepping into those leadership qualities at the time, um, it was very much around, you know, how do I help each person in my team achieve their personal best? What is it they want out of their careers and how can I help them in some way to achieve that? And knowing very much that I'm never going to be able to hold on to all of them forever and nor should I want to. Um, but really that I'm just a, you know, a passing through sort of vehicle for them to get to where they want to go. Mm-hmm. And looking at it from that perspective. So that was the sort of um, philosophy I think I, I used to get from individual contributor to the first time manager role. And it's something that stuck with me all the way till now where I have a great um, tiny team, but again, somebody who I think the world of and I think um, is an absolute um, amazing person in their role has has achieved an, uh, an opportunity to go off to Cambridge on a scholarship. And I am again, just that vehicle that will help them to pass through and, and hopefully there'll be more people for me to mentor and to, to bring into this organization in the future. Well, I mean, that is incredible. And what a great, great illustration of the importance of allowing people to step into their leadership qualities and for people to really be able to honor and, and follow through on what's meaningful for them and, and from a timing perspective, what's right for them at the time. Thank you for sharing that. And congratulations on, on um, well, not congratulations on the loss of a colleague, but, you know, to, to think that, that um, the person leaving your organisation is heading off to Cambridge for a scholarship says enormous amounts about you as a leadership, as a leader, and uh, obviously about the culture of what you're creating. Um, Let's jump in and, and have a little bit of a chat about your innate ability through the language of astrology. And um, I wanted to just start by, by letting the listeners know that you are born with the sun in Aries. So that's a fiery, energetic sign. It's all about independence. It's all about being a self-starter and task orientation in terms of what do I need to get done? How do I get it done? And off I go. It's, it's got a strong sense of drive to achieve and very ambitious and, um, and hungry for success. In terms of your, that, that sun, which is um, very fiery, 
we then look to the ruler of the sun, which is Mars, the ruler of Aries, which is Mars. And in your case, you've got Mars situated in Pisces. Now, Pisces is a water sign and it's an, a completely different energy to, to Aries. It's, it's much more creative, it's much more sensitive um, and it's much more compassionate and it um, has incredible ability to be able to imagine things, imagine new possibilities. And so I'm really curious to just start right there because most people can relate to what their sun sign is, but they don't necessarily understand that their sun sign is also ruled by another planet and the placement of that planet will inform how you shine in the world. Hiam, how do you relate to this concept of the blend of the real desire to achieve, but blending that with a rich imagination and strong level of compassion at the same time? Yeah, it's definitely something that resonates. And I remember, you know, when I left Google and I had this freedom to do things even more how I wanted it. Google gave me huge amounts of freedom, but I could do that even more so now that I was out on my own. One of the things I thought was a bit of a missed opportunity when it came to creating experiences that helped leaders step into their leadership qualities was that you spend a huge amount of time revolving those programs around a fake scenario or a fake problem to solve rather than something that was genuine and true and real. And uh, set about changing that up when I, when I worked with organizations to help build leadership capacity and confidence for them and centered around those programs around a real challenge to solve from a charity. And that would say, listen, we've no end of problems to solve, complex problems, we can't figure them all out. Yes, we'd love to give you one to solve through your leadership programs and, and culture change programs of work. And um, I found that incredibly creative because you never knew what was gonna come out the other end. You had a cohort of people all wanting to build their leadership capabilities and, and build confidence. You had a real problem to solve. Mm. You did also, one thing you did know is that the charity is committed to taking on at least one of those ideas that came through the cohort. So you knew something was going to change, which was really exciting. Um, and then you just had to let things play out, which is a huge amount of nervous trust that you had to put in the whole process. But you know that if you build that, if you truly build those confidence and capabilities in people, you give them something really meaty, they're very engaged. Mm you know that something great is going to come out the other side. Um, so I really love that. And then you also know that in the world today, there, there's too many problems to solve. So you think that collectively is the right way of going rather than individually in terms of solving those problems. So working as a collective and getting used to working as a collective versus as either an individual or very kind of intact team only is really good for people to get the idea of. Um, we don't have to work together just because we were in this unit or in this division or in this team. We can work collectively from inside and outside our organization to solve big problems in the world. So concept mm. to get with anything. Yeah, it, it, the, the, the days of just doing work projects in teams is definitely long gone. Um, and it's the work that you're talking about is it's so rich isn't it in terms of expansion in terms of problem solving capability in terms of yeah providing up new solutions um that are that are really imaginative 
I'm I'm curious because you you mentioned there that when you left Google and you started up um, when you started on your own um, and built these new organizations and you brought these challenges in or these real life problems with not for profits. I'm curious to talk to lean into that a little bit more because the reason I'm asking is that Hiam has um, she has Venus which essentially is your uh, how you relate to other people, how you like to be in relationship. Um, You've got Mercury, which is how you think things through, the strategic mind, and also how you like to get around from A to B, um, as well as Mars, as I said earlier, plus the south node, which is a karmic point in the chart. All four of those are positioned in compassionate Pisces. Pisces is also connected to the kind of energy like Mother Teresa, as in this deep level of compassion for humanity and wanting to be of service. And so I'm curious whether this has happened consciously or kind of subconsciously, but you it, 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 it strikes me you've, you've ended up doing quite a bit of work with not-for-profits and organisations that are really doing an enormous amount to support those in need in the world. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yes, I mean, I genuinely think that um, it's important to find the right space to play in and not to play across too many areas. And that's for me. And so for me, I I definitely niched myself more into supporting organizations that were in disability. Um, For personal reasons, that was definitely an area I wanted to see if I could help. and all I did was ask them, you know, where can I help you? What, where, what, use me. If there was anything you could do, if I could do anything for you that would be very useful, what would that be? Um, so just going out there and asking, how can I be of service? I think a lot of people um, in corporate would like to potentially just go, you know, straight into a board role as a way to give back. There are many, many other ways that you can support and actually just mm-hmm. go tapping on the door of one of the organizations that you admire the most and asking them what can I do that would be really useful for you is just a a great way to start Um, and it so happened that through those questions I've now eventually been asked to serve on um, the board of the Cerebral Palsy Alliance um, across you know many of their subdivisions like um, Remarkable which is a um, tech accelerator specifically focused um, in disability Um, Exceptional, which is one of the startups that I mentored through that accelerator and who specializes in placing people with autism into uh, roles, into tech roles, essentially, that they're they're naturally quite well suited for. Gifted at, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think one thing's kind of naturally led to another. And yes, I think when... um, when you do have that sense of empathy and understanding um, and the big picture as well to see, you know, what else can we do here? What are the things that are standing in the way of whatever the vision of success is? Mm. And then going, going in there and just being of service. Beautiful. I mean, that's, that's an amazing achievement on your behalf as well, that you've gone in there asking questions, how can I help? And you've ended up serving on their boards and supporting them in, in terms of their growth and, and in areas which are really progressive, actually, um, and making a big difference. Uh, 
Another part of your chart that I, I can't, I have to, I have to share this part of your chart because I think it's really profound in how it plays out in the work that you do. Hiam has um, the planet Pluto in her chart. Pluto is the planet which is representative of your personal power and your ability to be able to, where you're able to be, um, to do transformational work. And in Hiam's case, Pluto is um, located in the part of her chart connected to Korea, connected into the most public part of the work that you do out in the world. And so transforming organisations is a strong theme in your chart. It's Pluto was in Libra at the time that you were born. Now, Pluto takes a long time to move through a sign. So there are plenty of people that are born with Pluto and Libra. But the thing is that because it's happening up in the 10th house in your case, and it's making a strong connection to the sun, which is how you shine in the world, it's really emphasizing the fact that doing work that's transformational, which allows organizations to, um, it means that you can, there's a potential within you to be able to transform scenarios, to bring about balance, to hear both sides of the story, to be able to bring, um, if you like, opportunity for equality to be um, for, for equal voice and equal opportunity to be also a part of, of organisation. Can you share a little bit about how that, um, if you like, that ability has served you and how you relate to that? Yeah, that definitely when it comes to transformation, I feel like that's, I've niched myself in culture transformation. And that's because over time I've realised that um, wherever you are in terms of supporting an organization to change, you'll come up against a barrier if the culture is not ready for that change. So kind of just naturally gravitated towards, well, where can I serve again and have the, the biggest impact, positive impact, um, so that it sets everybody else up for success. And that's always seems to be around, well, let's look at the culture first, make sure that that culture is ready for a particular change that organization might find if they're looking to move into a new direction, or if a company is just fast growing, again, is their culture organically moving in the right direction for them so that they continue moving at that pace? Um, so I think in terms of transformation and, and culture, what, what I and perspectives that you kind of say, like how, how do you help people to have equal voice in that process? is something that I've naturally wanted to support organizations to do. How do you have a way that everyone can have a say in what their culture is ultimately going to be? That's really important for me. It's one of my personal drivers and personal principles when I take on any project is that this will be an inclusive process. This will have everybody's voices heard and that will actually help that organization move forward at pace versus get stuck along the way. So it, the way I work with organizations is that we, we do have a huge amount of executive input and executive decision-making power, but it's always going to be informed by the rest of the organization. We do a lot of loops um, so that that continuous perspective taken, taking is, is happening and we can come to the best options for those executives to choose from. So that, that for me is um, a big driver in how I do things. And if an organization is not willing to, to subscribe to that principle, that one key principle that I have and how I work, then we, we 
halfway part ways at that point. Yes. Well, yeah, very, it's very powerful. I'm, I'm thinking as you're talking too that, that in order for that to happen, in order for you to give everybody a voice when you're, when you're working as a management consultancy and you're going into an organisation for the very first time, there's a couple of key factors that would be at play. One of them is that um, it's really important that you are able to build a healthy level of um, um, empathy and, and respect with, with the people that you're going in to do the work with. And he um, has a grand trine in water, which essentially gives her the opportunity to really feel deeply into things and, and to be able to read the, the room and to read emotionals very effectively. But she also has a um, her MC, which is the midheaven, the part of the chart that's connected to your professional reputation, is in Virgo. And now Virgo is the only female sign in the zodiac, and this the 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 essence of Virgo is that she seeks perfection. She seeks to create order from chaos, and in doing so, she's exceptional at putting in place structures and systems that allow things to happen smoothly. And like you were just describing, in order for that, those um, everybody to have a voice and for that information to be disseminated, I'm imagining that requires two things, high levels of empathy and being able to read situations and, and uh, connect with others emotionally. But secondly, to have the order and the structure in place to be able to make that happen. Can you talk to that a little bit and just share some of the ways in which you go about doing that uh, that might help others understand how you bring structure um, and, and combine that with your ability to really lean into things in a compassionate way. It's a, it's, yeah, definitely order from chaos is something I'd like, I like getting into. It's exciting. And um, I think one of the most important things I like to do to get things moving in the right direction is first kind of get some agreements, some high level agreements on how this structure is going to play out. What is the process we're going to take to get from A to B? And is everybody in agreement with that? If there are any components, they're not, should we take them out completely? Should we change them? What should we do? So being very clear on what the plan looks like upfront and getting agreement on that before we set off kind of pathway forward, I think is really important. And then sort of mini agreements going from there because every step of the way potentially changes the way forward from there. So if there is gonna be divergence, why is that necessary? And what would that look like? Keeping everybody informed in the loop and definitely to the point where they can absolutely um, change things. And that, that level of autonomy, I think is really important for something as important as culture transformation, that everybody feels they're in the loop, number one, and number two, we can change things as we go. Uh, so that level of agility is really important and um, so that things don't come undone. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm dying to ask when you're when you're talking and I don't know if you can share um, I, I know you've got you've got to um, keep confidentiality but are there any particular projects that you've worked on that you can what's been your most challenging rewarding project where the culture change has um, really come through 
Yeah, I mean, for me, and I think we we're, we're just about to publish this case study on our website, so it should be there by the time this is um, is live. It was a great opportunity to work with the student experience office in Western Sydney Uni, a or like vision about 400 people that sits beautifully between the academic side and the professional side mm -hmm. of a university that has I think nearly 50,000 students over half of those are first in family to go to university so for me that is amazing because this university is a it's a catalyst it changes tra the trajectory of whole families and so I loved working uh, with this particular team over the course of two years again, to identify what it was they wanted to be um, from a culture perspective and, and how they would help that smaller division to move in the direction they need to move in. And, and they become then the influencer within a larger, um, within an, a larger organization. So that was really exciting. It was exciting from a point of view of seeing frontline behavior changes where a student ne wasn't necessarily um, seen holistically, but seen as separate parts, um, because you would map that student to separate parts in their life cycle, as I suppose this person is just enrolling, this person is onboarding, this, and there would be very different people, and they've kind of go through a, a, a line, essentially, like in a factory line, um, and they wouldn't um, necessarily see that student holistically. And that was where they changed over time from a culture perspective to move the organization from very kind of administrative focus to more student-centered um, and student success-centered uh, and almost having a concierge-like service for their students to see them through those difficult first six months with um, onboarding into mm. the system. It seems like a natural thing to do, but it's not—it's not that natural to do, is it? You know, it's like it, it, to to move something, to move an organization from being administrative to to moving to a culture of being more of a concierge to facilitate a smooth entry and success into the program takes a lot of work. It really, really does. There's so many moving parts. Mm. Think about it. You know, four hundred people over multiple little teams, everything from, you know, uh, the front line sort of student um, centers where you could just walk in and get information through to smaller little teams that did just timetabling, for example, and, and then them having to know, well, how did a small change in their timetabling have a knock-on effect across um, other teams? So really, how do you bring this very complicated group of teams together um, on a cultural shift journey. How do you do that? Um, how do you get them all on the same page at the same time and moving in the same direction? So that was really exciting. And really rewarding. Broken that down step by step in, in a case study that's now should be available. Oh, fantastic. Uh, well, I, I would love to, I could keep talking for hours to you because you've got so many lovely signatures in your chart, especially around leadership and being self-motivated and driven to make a difference. Um, but for the sake of time, I would love if you could we'll, we'll close with the question around, um, based on unpacking 
uh, the deeper aspects of your soul's blueprint, if you like, or your astrological blueprint. How do you think this form of ancient wisdom can really help listeners unlock their pathway to, to their leadership success? Look, if you're anything like me, this might have seemed like a step too far in, in how you can advance yourself in the corporate space, you know, in this, in this way. And, you know, me and you were on a, I was on a skeptical kind of journey with you at the, at the beginning and through some great coaching sessions with you, you really brought me to a place where I had a much better, deeper understanding and therefore much more centered approach to everything that I did inside and outside of work. Mm. And so I think you've got to acknowledge that somebody's, you know, at that very skeptical point, you've got to just, you especially, Joe, you give them such um, a wide berth and you, you, you kind of translate things into, a, into something that they can truly understand. And then from my point of view as the kind of the coachee with you, it was really taking on um, the opportunity to reflect and to, to, I suppose, embrace things that I didn't realize were qualities in the past and um, that now becomes something that I'm, I'm truly aware of number one and number two leveraging so it's been it's been quite a journey and I'm excited for it to continue because there's just so much to explore um, and you know back in the day even even with my leadership development program sometimes people would look at even personality preference tools as a bit out there and a bit woo woo but then when they get those charts or they get those and um, profiles they look at them and go wow that's very spot on and I just it's put, kind of put a language to what I didn't already know mm. um, was there so I kind of didn't know what I didn't know about myself and so it's the same with what you do it's great to see more people embracing and taking another angle or another tool out of their toolbox Wonderful. So what can listeners look out for next from here, Sakakini, and from the culture equation? What's the next thing they can? Ah, what can we expect? I guess, um, yeah, 2020 was full of twists and turns and 2021, I'm sure we're just, we're, we're ready for it. So I think in terms of what we love to do is we love to take on meaty projects. Um, we look for organizations that have either not defined their culture yet and therefore don't know what their superpower is and would like to actually define it and use it and leverage it, um, all the way through to those that maybe have a cultural legacy and something that they would like to be able to refresh um, based on what is ahead for them, which might look very different to what was in their past. So we're looking always for great organizations to work with from scale-ups to um, more established organizations and we yeah we look forward to to more of the same wonderful i'll put a link to the culture equation in the notes of this episode yeah, um, thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it it's always wonderful to be in conversation with you and wishing you ongoing success for the for the rest of 2021 thank you so much joe have a lovely day and week Thank you. We'll talk soon. See you. Bye. If you would like to know more about me, visit josephinecorcoran.com. I work with individuals and organisations supporting and creating sustainable change in careers and workplaces. While you're there, check out my Astrology for Business membership and my coaching programs. 
You can follow me on Facebook. Just go to at Josephine Corcoran Holistic Career Coach and like the page. And also my Instagram account at josephine.corcoran. Love to connect with you there. Thanks for listening. And I look forward to you joining me for more leadership wisdom here on Astrology for Leaders.